Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I am Ryan Noonan. Joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer Connor Allen. Connor, what is going on on this fine Christmas Eve eve, my friend? Uh, not too much. Um, you know, coming off another strong week, uh, I'm pushing, you know, 30 units now on props for the season, which is solid. Um, I, it was looking like it was gonna be a really good week. Um, but Alvin Kamara kind of ruined it, you know, for me, I, I, we got some great closing line value, but our, you know, you can't feed families with closing line value. That's not how it works. You know, you feed them with cold, hard cash from winning the prop. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was really disappointing. I know, I knew you were on that too, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I also had one of my uh, favorite little uh, same game parlays, and the only thing that died was uh, Alvin Kamara's receiving yards. But um, they're very generous. You only lose that one leg, they give you your money back. So uh, we're up to twenty five bucks. So those are those are fun if you have them. But yeah, that I didn't get the best of the number on the Kamara stuff because uh, it was when that news broke. It kind of it was moving so fast, and then some of the books took it down, and then it popped back up like twenty yards higher. So. Yeah, it was uh that was a tough one last week. Yeah, I, f- I feel like we should have done better than that. But you know what? Still making money, we're making money. Can't complain. Can't complain. Yeah, totals went three and one for the week here at four for four. Overall, had one of my best weeks of the season. I think I was up about thirteen and a half units. So it was a really, really, really good week. Um, lots of good things. Um, I have a couple stories when we get into the games. Uh <laughs> save so just some real was running real pure a couple different times that really helped. So um, before we jump into week 16, I want to tell you about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Uh, we all love snake drafts. We all love big prizes, but we do not all love the big entry fees and multi-week contests that come along with most of the DFS sites out there. So Underdog created a really cool game called Battle Royale, basically snake draft format that we all know and love, basically drafting a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the teams that you draft against, you're going to compete against other teams as well to basically pull together the prizes they can offer big tournament style payouts. So uh, head over to the app store. If you have not already downloaded underdog fantasy uh, in the app store, you can also go online and, and do that off of your PC as well. Uh, they also just launched their NBA product, obviously with NBA season, they got daily NBA games there too. So just enter four for four after you make your first deposit. And uh, yeah, I think you really, really enjoy it. And unfortunately the season's wrapping up and uh Best ball, though, is coming sooner than you think. I really think getting into some of those early best ball drafts, it's pretty advantageous if you are, you know, grinding like most of our 4 for 4 subscribers are. If you're listening to this show in week 16, um, you probably are someone who can find yourself in an underdog draft in March and feel pretty good about it. So definitely check out their games. Uh, we've also increased the ways to consume Move the Line this year. If you're listening to this in podcast form, uh, as always, we really appreciate it. Just rate and review wherever you listen to the show helps other people find us helps us keep the lights on here. We really enjoy doing this, but we also wanted to branch out a little bit. So we are streaming live as we record. You can uh, find us um, basically all the way to the Super Bowl. We'll be doing live shows here. You can jump into four for fours Periscope, join us in the chat. Um, we're also going to be posting it on Twitch and YouTube as well. So, all right, my man, uh, let's jump I, into it. Yeah, well, I mean, before, I think we got to kick it off here at the top with, um, you know, friend of the show, our Uncle K, Joey Kanish, you know, came into our mentions when we queued up the show, uh, talking about how he's looking forward to a full hour on the Steelers' uh, epic collapse. Um, And, I mean, yeah, sure, they've lost three games in a row, but, you know, let's not forget that, you know, Joey Kanish, that same Uncle K, was taking alternate unders on the Steelers, you know, prior to the season. He is a 
lifelong Steelers hater, a lifelong Bills hater, and the probably, I mean, the most notable Lions podcaster in the game. I don't know anyone else who stands the Lions, Pistons, or anyone else in Detroit as much as he does. So uh, I, th- I think it needs to just be, you know, I- I'll leave it at that. And I think that, you know, the public court of public opinion should be able to make their mind up pretty easily there. Yeah, you framed it correct. I think it's really important. It's not just that the Steelers have been struggling, which we know, but Uncle K came on this show and railed against the Steelers in the preseason. And um, like you said, was all over the unders, alt-unders, any action that he could get shorting Pittsburgh, he did. So, you know, an 11-0 start is a, it's a long, cold drink of water to be taken down for a couple months. So, yeah, I'm sure he's basking in the glow of a three-game losing streak, but they got 11 wins. You know, like the checks have been checks have been sent. Like the money's the money's gone. So I don't know. Maybe he's still holding out hope for those uh, Matthew Stafford comeback player of the year awards. Those um, you know Matthew Stafford MVP. I, I know on our futures pod there was a Matthew Stafford MVP conversation. We didn't talk Josh Allen, which Silva grilled us for, but we did talk Matthew Stafford MVP on the show, and that was thanks to Uncle K. So you know we'll uh. have to have him on playoffs at some point yeah he'll have to come you know be able to defend himself on here and uh, i'm sure you know coming weeks we'll we'll have him on and it'll be a lot of you know good conversation about how much he hates josh allen and the bills even though they are very good Kanish, you got to keep your uh, calendar open for next year's afc north preview <laughs> we'll definitely have you on as the guest for that one we'll probably skip you again when it comes to the uh the uh you know nfc north <laughs> nfc north yeah we, we don't want you on that one because that uh it's going to Tilt very heavily to one direction, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Who's coaching the Lions this week anyway? Do they even have a coach? I don't know. Don't they all have like Corona? Yeah, they all have Corona. So Uncle K stepping in. So <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, oh, hey, uh, guys. Uh, uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, guys. Uh, uh, give, me, give me something else. Um, I would lay down and do that impression if I could, but I'm standing up right now. So I can't do my Uncle K. Like casual Kanish. Oh boy. He's, he's going to listen to this and just be, you know, really pumped up. I've been working on my Uncle K, so I hope that was good for the listeners. If you're not familiar, uh, at Joey Kanish22 on Twitter. Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would say for the most part, a pretty sharp uh, betting follower, but, uh, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's the best. All right. We'll jump into the games now. We got a Christmas Day game, which is peculiar. I, I don't know why. They're doing this really Christmas has belonged to the NBA, but uh, here we are. We got uh, a playoff rematch from last year, Minnesota on the road against the saints, uh, seven point favorites at home for new Orleans. 51 and a half is the total uh, Vikings playoffs. Hope their playoff hopes die last week. It's a bad loss to Chicago. Their second straight loss as well. Um, you know, Chicago basically looking to fight with Arizona now for a playoff spot there, but saints also lost two in a row. Uh, basically now really, worried about holding on to the NFC South title instead of really pursuing the number one seed in the conference. It's opened at six and a half. So far, about 71% of the money here has come in on the Saints, driving it up to seven. Total has been bet down a little bit. It got up to 53. Now we're seeing it down closer to 51. So uh, thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, I think there are, there are a few pieces here to this handicap. Um, so, so for me, it's New Orleans should probably have success running the ball against Minnesota's run D. 30th in rushing success rate allowed, 31st in adjusted defensive line yards, 29th in EPA against the run the past seven weeks. 
Um, Minnesota's defense has also allowed, you know, 33, 26, 24, 27, and 31 points the past five weeks. I mean, I think that's kind of baked into the number a little bit here, but um, still I think that New Orleans should have the lead and they should be able to run the ball. That kind of leads me to be interested in some Latavius Murray props potentially. Um, but other than that, I mean, on the side, the total, I think it's kind of about right. Um, I think that on the other side, if, if Minnesota can move the ball at all, they should probably be able to cover the seven. Uh, the issue is that New Orleans defense has been very good this season um, outside of, you know, against Kansas City. You know, they let up plenty of points. And then a mobile QB and Jalen Hurts, they were, I mean, not really even exposed, but, you know, they didn't have their best game is what I would say. So in this spot in particular, yeah, I'm probably just going to be looking at like maybe, you know, Latavius or Alvin Kamara rushing props, but that'd be about it for me. Yeah, seven's a little bit. Uh, you know, Minnesota was one of those teams, though, they're like Jekyll and Hyde. I feel like they can beat anybody. And they can lose to anybody too. So, I mean, you know, we saw them in this spot last year. Um, Sorry, my boy Jason Tatum just hit a uh, game winner. (laughs) Uh, Let's go. Um, Yeah, you know, Minnesota can really win this game outright like they did in the playoffs last year. And Minnesota's – or New Orleans beat up. You know, MT is out. Traquan might miss this one. They're really thin at receiver. It's kind of really, you know, the best spot to – you know, attack new or the attack Minnesota. So seven feels high that you're not going to catch me laying any money on the Vikings as well. So maybe some props when we get a better understanding of really who's in and who's out. I like the Latavius Murray call. Um, and I think you could see some, again, Jekyll and Hyde with Minnesota. Like you could see some, some props that are interesting on Minnesota side from a pass catcher standpoint, but you know, it's been, they've slowed down a little bit as far as what we were seeing from Jefferson and Thielen. So kind of a stay away for me though. I imagine, Again, props will be of interest. All right, first of three Sunday games, or Saturday games. I'm sorry, we get three, which is nice. Tampa uh, at Kanisha's Lions. Tampa Bay, nine and a half point favorites on the road here. Total pretty healthy up into the uh, mid-50s, 54 or so. I will give it to Kanish. Stafford's a stud. I mean, we talked about it last week. The dude is tough as nails. Most guys are not suiting up like he did last week. When we recorded on Thursday, we thought it was going to be Chase Daniel. But Stafford's just like, hey, we had a game and I'm the quarterback of this team. And I felt like I could get out there and go and, you know, gave it his best. They're just atrocious with, you know, especially on the defensive side of the football. They are dead last in EPA per play, uh, EPA per drop back, and EPA per rush over the last seven weeks. Um, that's why you're seeing basically a 10-point road um, favorite here for Tampa Bay. And as I mentioned, you know, Daryl Bevel, the interim head coach is going to be out with the COVID close contact here. Um, yeah, I don't really know what they're doing here. Uh, this is too much. Just like this, not this number is too high, but I just, I can't bet on, on the lines here. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I think realistically this should probably be close to like seven, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree. There's no way I'm back in the lines. I know Kanish will have, you know, his mortgage on it, but I'm, I'm not touching it. Uh, I mean, this is the Detroit defense has been so bad. Uh, I think though my only potential angles in this game would probably be, I mean, maybe some Fournette props, uh, you know, Ronald Jones out, but Fournette looked terrible last week. Like he looked so bad and he luck boxed into two touchdowns. Uh, I thought he was a pretty bad play in DFS too. I mean, I, I get the whole, you know, touchdown equity thing, but really like he just, he looked bad. Uh, I mean, but again, I mean, this is a great matchup. So, you know, the odds of him springing a long touchdown or something random after, you know, running for two yards on 10 straight carries, I feel like is actually kind of high. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, maybe some rushing unders for Detroit. Like, I mean, Tampa Bay run defense has largely been pretty stout this year. I know that 
Uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook just had a, a pretty good game against them. But, you know, it took him like 22 carries to get over 100 yards. And yeah, obviously, you know, the Vikings are notorious for being able to successfully run the ball. So really not too much on the totaler side, but that's probably where I'd look in the prop market. Yeah, you're talking about outlier type of skill in the running back yeah. position. I'm with you. I think unders on the, you know, Detroit running backs make sense. You're still seeing, you know, more Adrian Peterson than you would want if you're if you're backing Swift, whether it's in DFS or in the prop market too. So that's probably a good call. And you're right. I think Lenny was a bad play. And I thought people kind of got saved from really going heavy on him because of some of the late news with Pollard and some of the other things that popped out. But like he still he delivered for people because he he found the end zone, which is weird because they've really been pretty pass heavy, especially in the red zone too. But again, you know, guys getting tackled at the one, set yourself up for those four net spots. So yeah, really, really gross one. So I'm with you. There's not a lot to like here. You know, it's you're really playing whack-a-mole with the Tampa Bay receivers still with Godwin Evans and AB. You know, they all kind of, you know, got there a little bit in their own way last year. We're seeing Gronk still used often, especially in the red zone. So kind of a gross game to uh, to chase a lot of props, I think. The next one will be interesting. San Francisco on the road against Arizona. Uh, Arizona's five-point favorites here. 49 is the total. This is pretty much a pseudo home game for both teams. San Francisco has been playing in Arizona since about late November um, since they got kicked out of their home. But Carl's are in position here to make the playoffs. They're going to need to continue to win to hold off a couple of teams behind them. Um, Arizona surprisingly won this first matchup back in week one, really when the 49ers were not the walking dead, basically. So, you know, that's worth noting. And we're also going to get C.J. Beathard this week. It looks like he's starting for the Niners. I think Mullins was also terrible. Uh, Elbow injury as well. So, you know, combination of both injury and sucking um it was good to see Ky- you know kyler start to be healthy he was running in the red zone a little bit more and then his average at the target was up like three and a half yards last week compared to the last four weeks so very encouraging sign taking some deep shots what are your thoughts on this one yeah i mean i lean towards uh the cardinals a minus five i'm kind of surprised it's not even like at like seven i think especially at home um i don't know i, I mean cj bethard is proven to be just like a backup. I don't know. I mean, he's played fine in most instances, but like he's definitely not very good. Um, and then looking at these two defenses, I think, I mean, they're both fairly middle of the road in most metrics. Uh, San Francisco is ninth in DVOA, Arizona D 10th. Um, and so I don't, I don't really think there's too much, too many takeaways you can have from the defenses here. Um, but I would say I would, I would lean Arizona here at home just as like the, at this point, it seems like a, a much better team, especially in the quarterback department. Um, and then, in terms of props, it uh, looks like Raheem Mostert is not going to play this week. Uh, so you could have some Jeff Wilson season. But uh, knowing Shanahan, I think that the play is probably just to take some rushing props on like the backup. Uh, maybe points bet the backups over because he'll randomly just throw him, throw that player in, like Tevin Coleman, it looks like. And, you know, this is going to be the week where Tevin Coleman goes off when everyone's excited <laughs> about Jeff Wilson. I, this is just how this works. So um, and, you know, brace yourself for it. Uh, I think – I don't know how I'll handle it yet, but – that's that's kind of what I just am seeing in this one. Yeah, it's hard to chase 49er running back props. So I'm with you there. You nailed it on the head. And I don't want to get too deep into the weeds with narratives, but like, you know, the Niners don't have anything to play for, and Arizona really does. So, um, you know, it's not like San Francisco, just like the Jets last week. We'll get to that. But like these guys don't have any incentive to play out the string or or, you know, tank to lose games. Like these dudes are all out there trying to cash checks and trying to leverage themselves for 
future contracts to try to put out good tape. And, uh, you know, I think San Francisco shows up and is coached really well. But Arizona, I think, is kind of starting to find their second win after that little lull that we experienced over the last month or so. I think it's a good spot for Ayuk as well. As you mentioned, you know, some of the injuries there. Debo Samuel, I think, is probably shut down for the year. I know he's out for this one with the hammy. I can't imagine that they bring him back next week for for nothing. Um, we have to watch Kittle. Kittle's another one of those dudes we talked about last week. He's just he wants to play football because he can. If he's healthy, he might be active this week. So um, I don't know if that necessarily impacts Ayuk, but uh, maybe that raises the floor a little bit for the San Francisco offense. And we know that we have the shower narrative with Beathard and, and Kittle from their time at Iowa. So uh, shout out to Levitan with the shower narrative. So, all right. Uh, next game on Saturday as the Dolphins in Vegas against the Raiders, Miami three point favorites here on the road. 47 and a half is the total. This is the nightcap to the three games here. Um, it looks like Marcus Mariota, but I mean, Derek Carr practiced in full, I guess on Wednesday. So, it looked like a, apparently it was a pretty bad groin injury. Like you don't really come back from that in 10 days, but we'll see. I mean, he, they have like a 1% chance, literally a 1% chance, I think, to make the playoffs. They've lost four of their last five, the one win being the Jets miracle ending. Um, so basically losing the, the Chargers last week kind of sealed their fate. Miami, on the other hand, really needs to win out to sneak into the back end of the playoffs. Even if they win out, they might not, but they definitely have to do so. Raiders are almost always the lean in the market, which is makes sense. They're Raiders, they're a public team. Now they're in Vegas. So on top of that, you have, you know, they're kind of the Vegas home team. But as things start to spread out across the market, we're seeing that maybe dissipate a little bit. But so far it's been all Miami. About 75% of the money here has moved Miami from two and a half to three. So what are your leans on this one? Yeah, it looks like there's still like a rogue two and a half out there at FanDuel uh, right now, which is good if you're looking to back the Dolphins. And I, I think I am. I mean, I think this is a good spot for – uh, Tua to kind of like continue playing better. I thought he looked a little bit better last week. Um, and now he's matching up against the Raiders defense dead last in yards per drive allowed yards per pe- uh, yards per play allowed and 31st in EPA over the past seven weeks. I mean, they're just like legit so bad. I thought, I mean, there were multiple times where I was watching the game where it just seemed like they just like didn't really care. Like they just like couldn't stop anything. Um, and so I don't know. I think that on the other side, though, like the Raiders offense has been like quietly, like kind of efficient in some ways. Uh, I know that we are not generally a Raiders podcast and we are not super fans of, uh, you know, Gruden or anything that he's doing there. But uh, I mean, they're six in yards per drive, six in points per drive offensively. And I know that their efficiency metrics otherwise aren't like super great, but, you know, they've had some games where they put up plenty of points. Um, and Miami's defense has been solid as of late, but. I mean, they're, they played against the Jets, the Bengals, the Patriots, and then they allowed 33 points to the Chiefs. So, you know, I, I don't really think that we can draw – we've talked about this before. Like, they're probably like a top 10 defense, but they're definitely not a top three or four defense, uh, in my opinion. And I think that some of the latest metrics probably don't really reflect that just because how dominant they've been against, like, just terrible, terrible teams. So, yeah. um, I mean, I know Carr is not healthy, but, I mean, Mariota looked good. Um, I – I was actually considering this over too. I don't know. I almost, you know, texted the bands group, but um, like, I think Miami can score like around 30 here. And I think that, you know, the chargers should be able to score around like 20, 24, uh, which would, you know, hit the over. So, um, I mean, obviously it's a little, it is a little concerning riding to a, but I, I, I would probably lead towards the dolphins and the over here. Yeah. Yeah. The Raiders have been an over team all season. So um, not, a, not a super hard sell, but yeah, I mean, 
I guess I would want to know a little bit more about the quarterback situation. And yeah, I mean, also with the injury situations to Miami's receiving core, like Miles Gaskin's back, he'll be active. Like they're starting to get most of their running backs um, back into the lineup, but like, we don't know the status of Parker, Grant, or Gusecki. Like if they're really, they're all out again, it's yeah. you know, Lynn Bowden revenge game. Um, but then like Matt Collins, like you're really leaning on some of these, you know, Derwin Smythe. That's just a lot with Tua to help them take this over the over and then 47 and a half. It's kind of stuck in between those two key numbers. You know, if you could sell me on it a little bit, if it was 46, 46 and a half. Um, but here, I think it's, it's probably, it's probably a pass for me. Yeah, I, I get that. I think, you know, if those two guys do play, I'll probably take a position on the over. If they don't yeah. play, I'll probably just, you know, go hard on some Lynn Bowden props. Cause he was like, I mean, he's going to catch like another six, seven balls. Like yep. easy. So. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if it's better for the Raiders or an over if we get Carr, who probably isn't 100% healthy, or do we get, you know, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota as, as the backup? Like, I don't know. I've always been a Mariota guy. I'm surprised that he was not a thing and hasn't been successful. But uh, yeah, I don't know what's better for the case here for both, uh, you know, a Miami play or an over. So I don't know. Kind of, kind of need more information than we have currently. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just let Mariota cook, man. I, I'm here for it. I, I think it was fun watching him. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was a good time, especially like in this day and age, as the game has really evolved, and like you're seeing offensive coordinators really be more receptive to this type of player. And you're starting to see these guys thrive. And look at like we have four, probably four first round quarterback draft picks at least, maybe a fifth. But like four out of the five of them are all mobile. They all run, you know. Mm-hmm. And like you just see these. Herberts and Josh Allen's nowadays, like it's not just the big arm strength guys. They're also guys that can extend plays with their legs and um, even get first downs and things like that. So it feels like yeah. there's a chance for Mariota uh, somewhere to, to get a chance next year. One of these teams that are looking for uh, come over to new England. We need a quarterback, um, you know, give it a shot. Can't be worse than what it was this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Trevor Lawrence kind of runs like a giraffe, but I mean, he's still kind of fast. Like he's, he's like, he's pretty speedy. Yeah. Uh, speedy I don't run. know. Um, no, I mean, the Patriots are going to get like Darnold or like Stafford or something. Uh, Darnold's going to stay now. They're going to just double down and, uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll get there when we get there. We can go on to the next game. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a transition. Next game is Chicago on the road against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, um, lands seven and a half at home against the bears. A total of 47. Um, is Jacksonville dumb enough to mess this up? I mean, I guess we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously as everyone knows, um, you know, Jacksonville loses to the Bears and the Colts the next two weeks. They'll be on the clock with the first pick in April's draft. Chicago comes to town here. Uh, winners of two straight, having scored 30 or more in three straight games under MVP Mitch. Um, last week's win in Minnesota basically eliminated the Vikings, which is big for them. Um, they basically are fighting with Arizona here for that last spot. But this was five in the look-ahead market. And I think that that was maybe a little high, but probably right and now we're seeing both, I think, a combination of knowing Jacksonville's situation and with the Bears' big win. This is a pretty big movement, even though it's two and a half to move to and through the seven. Um, you know, 69% of the money here backing the Bears. I, I uh, Yeah, I don't know if they're dumb enough to mess this up. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I just, there is just no way I would ever lay seven and a half on Mitch Trubisky on the road. Like, there is no shot. I don't really care who you're playing against. And then this is a Jacksonville team now. So, you know, Minshew with Minshew, um, they have 
Um, they beat the Colts in week one and they lost by three to the Titans on the road in week two. Those are two teams that are significantly better than the bears in my opinion. And they kept those games close. Now, obviously there was a lot of other shitty games in between now and then where, you know, they played terrible, but I'm saying it's in their range of outcomes to like give the bears a game, not to mention the bears defense has been playing pretty bad, you know, for the most part. Um, and they're a little bit banged up. So, and you're, you're putting this on the back of Mitchell Trubisky, who randomly will turn in a terrible performance, even against like bad defenses. I mean, he generally plays well against good, bad defenses, which is obvious, but he's turned in some real bad performances occasionally. So for me, I, I mean, look, if you put the show at the end and I was a little more drunk, I'd say Jags outright. I'll say <laughs> Jags plus seven and a half. Um, but I, I do think that there's like, it is certainly within the range of outcomes that they win um, by like a field goal or something like that. Oh. Man, I, I know it, it's gross, but can you imagine? Can you imagine if they win this weekend? Like, Twitter will lose its mind. I know, absolutely flipped on its head to to get this opportunity. And that was really an I, you know, again, the jesting will get there, but like, you've been really presented an amazing opportunity that you should not have been presented. And uh, I don't know, it's kind of a franchise changing thing, and I guess it. Again, it goes back to these Jags players. They don't have any incentive to to lose and tank. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't. I get that they don't care. You know, these guys could be on one year contracts, and like, they're just again, they're they're not tied to Jacksonville. But uh, same thing with the coaching staff. They're not tied. The problem that's different here is that you know you can make the case for Darnold still, and I know some do being a little bit of a victim of circumstance there. And again, was just a top three pick a handful of years ago. And you really don't have that in Jacksonville. And to have someone like Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, we'll get into that come, you know, March and April around, is he really head and shoulders above everyone else in the draft class at the position? I think he maybe is. And you, know, you have the opportunity to get these guys. This literally is a 15 year transitional opportunity for your franchise to really build around. So I don't know. Totally get- I, and I do, and I, I totally agree. I'm just not sure that that like trickles down enough to the players. I totally know, that, agree. I mean, that's the hard thing is like it's yeah. the reality that we know, and I think that the players know, but like it becomes really irrelevant come Sunday when balls kicked off. Like they're just no, you know, it's just not in anyone's you know thought. Like coaches aren't calling plays that way. Like the players aren't thinking about it. So, and you're right. It is the Bears who, although they've looked good and they are somehow found their way into you know a playoff chance like they are still the bears they're still a team that we've been trying to short at any opportunity this year because we think that they are very very flawed so to lay more than a touchdown against a team like jacksonville who has been pretty feisty at covering big numbers for the better part of the last couple months as you mentioned like crappy games in there but like they've been competitive and i feel like a little bit more competitive with Minshew. so i guess we don't know there's some talk about whether or not he is going to be the guy they haven't named a quarterback so yeah. I don't know if it's Mike Glennon revenge week. Um, the other thing I'm going to talk about is David Montgomery. Cause I don't know what's going on here. I mean, he's on like steroids or something. There's no way. Yeah. Uh, you know, Patterson left with a knee injury last game and it was just all David Montgomery, 32 carries 146 yards, two scores. I know Minnesota's run D is terrible. We talked about it earlier with the saints and highlighting them as an opportunity, but like this Montgomery stuff is he's done nothing with a lot of opportunity previously. So like now all of a sudden he is, he's getting it done and it's not a great offensive line. So good for him. I, I don't know. I know this is a, 
definitely a point of contention for you know most of the last couple of years when we've had a show talking about David Montgomery. But you got to tip your cap a little bit. He's been he's been balling. Yeah, and I mean, I like. It's not that I like lost faith in David Montgomery because I I actually had him like you know pretty high. Um, it's just that. I just didn't think that the situation was ever going to be good enough for him, you know? And like, he, he also didn't look good. Don't get me wrong, but like, you know, the situation was never good. And like, he wasn't playing with a good offense, bad offensive line. And now it's just like, everything is kind of added up is that the offense is playing well because they're playing against bad defenses. The offensive line, which has been bad, has just been playing its worst defensive lines. Like he has holes, he's making good decisions and he, uh, you know, somehow is running at least a mile per hour faster, uh, you know, in the 30 plus range. Uh, So I I don't know, man. I mean, he's going to be overrated in like season long and DFS uh, like, you know, next year because they're going to get three Cohen back, which is going to eat into his like pass catching usage. But uh, I mean, if, I mean, the bears, if the bears are ever good on offense again, like, you know, he's seeing enough work that like he'll have touchdown equity and some pass catching role. So. No, that's a good point. Yeah. David Montgomery in the fifth or sixth. Last year was paying dividends, or you know, this year's drafts was paying yeah. dividends, you know, in best ball or season long. But yeah, next year it'll probably it'll be a little it'll, bit of a, like a third, fourth round pick. Yeah, he'll easily be a third round pick. I agree. Yeah. Um, the other exciting news with you know Jacksonville this season has been James Robinson. He got rolled up on though last week late in that game. Don't know his status as of now. Looks like it'll probably be a split between Daria Gunabuale and Devin Zigbo. Um, not really exciting from a prop standpoint. You really don't know how they're going to, you know, cut the pie there. So kind of a stay away for, for me. All right, next uh, I can move on to uncle K Steelers here. Uh, this is a big one. Indy at Pittsburgh. This is moved to Indy being a two point favorite here on the road. 44 and a half is the total. This is a big movement here. Uh, Steelers somehow found a way to lose their third straight. Uh, Ryan Finley and the Bengals, which is really wild. Um, Steelers were two point favorites in the look ahead line. Obviously, this is swung now the other way. The Colts, 70% of the money uh, backing Indy so far. Uh, look, we knew Pittsburgh was a flawed 11 0 team, but I really feel like we're watching Big Ben just fall off the cliff in real time. Like it's been pretty drastic. Um, it doesn't help that they are surprisingly one of the worst like, bottom three rushing offenses in the entire league. They are 30th or 31st in all key rushing stats, DVOA, success rate, explosive play rate, EPA. Um, they've made up for it up until this point with a pretty efficient, quick passing game, but it's just not getting it done right now. And, you know, receivers are having issues with drops. Ben looks like he's not making decisions or reading the defenses quickly. It's just, it's bad. And um, the elite defense, which is kind of how they've been getting it all done with all season, has had massive losses over the last couple of weeks. Bud Dupree, Devin Bush, both out for the year. You know, those guys are impactful defenders that are no longer part of that elite unit, and it's starting to catch up with them. So uh, Colts need this one in a big way, too. They're uh, 10 and 4, but they have not locked up a playoff spot. And, you know, they, you know, depending on what Miami does and, and Cleveland teams like that, like they really need these games. So this one's important for playoffs for both teams. So uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think that like both teams are overrated, like you mentioned, but so if you look at their strength of schedule so far, uh, the Colts have actually played against the number one easiest strength of schedule of opposing defenses. The Steelers are at number four, um, where the key differences here on the other side is, you know, opposing offenses. So um, like the Steelers have played against the second easiest schedule of opposing offenses, which, you know, obviously bolsters their season long stats of being 
you know, top three in pretty much every metric across the board. I think the only one that's probably somewhat reliable would be like pressure rate, um, maybe. Uh, and then uh, the Colts, 21st in strength of schedule uh, on that side of the ball. So, I, you know, they've been played against a much harder strength of schedule, a little bit more battle-tested um, on the defensive side. So, I don't know. I, I still think, though, that, like, I think at home, you know, I think the Steelers are live here. Like, everyone is, oh, like, reacting so bad, um, so poorly to the Steelers and their losses here. But, um, I mean – Realistically, like the Colts, I mean, the Colts lost the Jags in week one and, you know, the Steelers lost the Bengals are coming off three straight losses. It's just that those losses for the Steelers are all condensed in the past three weeks. Like the Colts losses have been spread out a little bit more and, you know, they bounce back. And I I do get, you know, Big Ben looks bad. He looks terrible. And don't get me wrong there. But uh, I mean, I just think that it might be a little bit too much, um, you know, recency bias with the Steelers here. Uh, And I mean, mean, the, the previous two games, like, you know, they lost the Bills, which is fine. You know, they lost the Bills, and then they lost the, the uh, football team, which was we, we noted as a trap game, you know, coming yeah. off like it was like short week, you know, things like that. And last week wasn't a trap game per se, but like that's a rivalry, right? I mean, yeah. those are like we know that the Bengals aren't good now, but like they care about whooping Pittsburgh when they get an opportunity to. So Sure, and they also had like the reason they won, it was I'm pretty sure they had like three short fields. Didn't they like fumble they like three times? Um, and then go up 17, nothing. And then like, you know, it was like a a weird group, like bunch of events. So I don't know. I think that a little, like some of those losses were a little bit fluky. Um, I I'm probably might do like, you know, a sprinkle on the Pittsburgh money line here. Um, and, but you know, that I'm not probably going to put a full unit, but that's kind of where I'm at. To your point, the Colts try to lose a couple times in the last three weeks, both, both those games of the Texans have come down to the last play. You know, we're very different thoughts in our mind around who the Colts are for sure. loss wise. If they lose even one of those games to the Texans. So yeah, I mean, good point. I get it. It's, it's just, uh, you know, the Colts haven't been a team we've trusted at any point this year. We've been very wary of them with, especially as you highlighted at the top here with, you know, their schedule. So yeah, I just, I think that the, I think that the Steelers thing is both a little bit of recency bias, but I also think it's, it's really, I think it's bad. Like I feel like they're, they're going to be quick out in the playoffs. I just don't think that they're going to be able to, they can't run the football. I just, I just didn't think that was going to be an option this year. I thought that James Conner would be able to get it done. They, you know, we know that Snell and Samuel weren't much that they had last year, but they added McFarlane in the draft. I figured at some point, one of the four guys would be able to, get something sustainable on the ground going to alleviate some of the pressure from an immobile 38 year old Ben Roethlisberger who just isn't getting it done right now. So, yeah. and then uh, I mean, like Claypool yeah. can't get on the field as much anymore. Like he's losing snaps to James, to James Washington, like just kind of going the wrong direction. So I don't want to sure. overreact to it, but I, I really think it is kind of a bad situation too. Yeah, I mean, it might not be something that we act on this week, but, like, looking back through the games where they have played, like, good offenses, like, this Colts defense has allowed, you know, 30-plus to Green Bay, 45 to Titans in one of the games, 32 to the Browns, 27 to the Raiders, 27 to the Joe Burrow Bengals. Like, most of the offenses with, like, a pulse or that rank top 10 in any kind of metric, like, you know, they've been exposed by. And even, like, you know, the Ravens should have scored 30 points on them, but, you know, they they fumbled at the goal line, you know, or that, that exchange between Gobbins or – or uh, Gus Edwards and Lamar. So, like, you know, there, there's plenty of offenses who should have scored points on the Colts. They've just feasted against, like, really bad offenses. So, so they're the again, last team that's kept sure. the Titans uh, under 30. Yes, yeah. They, 
So I, I know that, that was one of the outliers for sure. That was yeah. a weird, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure this is the game that we pounce on it though. No, I agree. Um, nothing too exciting in the prop market either. I mean, Jonathan Taylor continues to look good and you know, that's exciting. You know, the receivers, everyone thought last week was T Y Hilton week and then Zach Pascal week. And, you know, I'm out here, you know, standing for Michael Pittman anytime I get a chance, but they really get like 10 to 11 guys in the mix every week. It's just from a prop standpoint, it's really hard to attack anything on the indie side. It's just, it's really gross. You would need some sort of injuries and there really isn't that right now. That doesn't look like there's anyone that's questionable. That's going to clear the path for anyone else. So uh, kind of a, a prop stay away here as well. All right, next we have the giants on the road against the Ravens Ravens, Pretty healthy, 11, 11 and a half point favorites here at home. Uh, total around 45. It's uh, yeah, it's a good thing we flexed that uh, Giants-Browns game into into primetime, right? I mean, have to get that one on. We have to watch that one. We, uh, yeah, Giants, though, somehow still alive. Um, they'll need to either beat the Ravens this week or the Cowboys at home next week while also needing Washington to lose both of their remaining games, which is possible. They host Carolina this week, and then they travel to suddenly frisky Philadelphia the following week. So um, we still may have a chance to bet against the Giants in a playoff game, which would be incredible. I cannot make that line high enough. I don't care who it's against. Um, Daniel Jones practicing this week. He might be back under center. Um, And the Ravens are going to need this one too. talked about it earlier. Like Miami uh, is – still in the mix. They have some other teams in the division looking at the, you know, the Colts and Titans situation, like the Ravens have not solidified their playoff spot yet. So um, they're going to need to be on their game here. And they've been playing better football. Like Lamar in particular has been playing really well and looked good as a passer the last couple of weeks too. Did not run a ton last week, but you know, got it done through the air, which is interesting to see nine and a half is the number and look ahead. So this has moved quite a bit. So um, lots of money pouring in on Baltimore. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I mean, it might be at a bit of a contrarian take here. So, uh, I mean, Baltimore's team total is at 28. Um, and I think that that's actually a little too high. Um, Ooh. and so, yeah, so I think that, um, so Baltimore this year, seven and seven on that number. The Giants okay. only allowed more than 28 points twice this season and not since week five. Uh, this includes games against the Bucks, the Browns and the Seahawks. And I mean, the only concern here is that. You know, in EPA, the Giants or the ball, the Giants run D is, you know, 20th over the last seven weeks, which is a bit concerned. But overall, you know, like their their EPA ranking is like, you know, top 10 um, in, in uh, the, that seven week span. So I think that in this spot, you know, I just think that the full game under is in play here um, with the Ravens likely getting a lead and draining the clock. We know that, you know, there are gonna, there's going to be halves where, um, you know, Lamar is going to throw the ball like three times and they're just going to run it. So. Uh, I think with with that kind of pace of play on both sides, and um, I mean the the Giants may be slowing them down a little bit. I'm not saying they're going to completely tank. I'm saying that the 24 to 26 range to me seems a little bit sweeter than you know the 28 plus, and um, unless they are just absolutely gashing them on the ground, which is a possibility, but um, you know I still think that it, even in that scenario, like it's it's going to be real slow and and real. It's it's going to take them pretty much scoring on almost every possession. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you've been able to run on on the Giants a little bit, especially the last couple of weeks. I mean, the 20th in rushing EPA over the last seven weeks. So, yeah, I mean, you make a good point. I mean, we know Baltimore wants to run and will run, and those things kind of lend themselves at times to slower games and fewer points. But, uh, 
yeah, it's an interesting take. Um, you know, let me know what you do with that. I know. Well, no, I like that you had, you know, it's, it's a well thought out take. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, Baltimore is a team that we, we know has some ceiling that the other teams don't have. So, you know, I, I get it, but you're also working with key numbers being on your side. If you want to take it under lean here, cause I could see this getting to you know, 20 and a half even or something like that. So, you know, that's probably a really nice number for you if you're looking to lean under because then you're really saving yourself. Even if they do have a really solid game, getting the 27-28, you'd still be covered. So that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I don't expect much from the Giants, though, obviously, offensively. Exactly. I think that might be like the the full game under lean might be might yeah. be solid there um, just because, I mean, it, it would take a very efficient player, just like a bunch of long plays for that to, to both hit over, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, someone was asking me the other day about, you know, honing in on, you know, team totals. And oftentimes in my article that I write here for four for four round totals is, you know, maybe contrarian to what you think, you know, maybe even what, you know, not what four for four was thinking they were signing up for. But like, I often focus on team totals more than game totals because it's just like when we think about DFS, like we talk about stacking in DFS because you want to think about things that are correlated and how, you know, they, you know, things interact with each other, but you also, you know, want to stack because you are limiting the things you have to be right about. Right. So if I am using five guys, you know, whether it's uh, or, you know, four guys, three guys, whatever your stack is, you know, you're, those are three out of the nine positions. So like, I only really have to be, I have to be right about fewer other things if I'm really right about this game. So when I hone in on a single team, I really eliminate the variable, that is the other team as well. So like, I don't have to worry about if they take a, you know, a scoop and score on a fumble or, you know, when there's a pick six or something like that, like you take all that out and you really focus on kind of what you can narrow down statistically on being kind of a good bet. So I really think as people start to get involved in, um, you know, betting sides and totals, I feel like props are the best. If you're transitioning from fantasy, you know, Connor is a, one of the best out there in the industry, bottom line and doing props. And because they're mostly correlated with fantasy, it's an easy transition. You're thinking about player performance, but like, I think the next easy is team totals because that is kind of the next step about how players are correlated. You think about team performance. And I think sometimes like, especially now we're seeing these major books like DraftKings and FanDuel. It's very different than what we were used to even last year with offshores, right? Mm-hmm. We wouldn't see them until Saturday. You wouldn't see a team total. And now they're being hung out all week for the most part. And then they move with the line in the total. They're not moving based on anything else. Like, And sometimes if you're just watching them, you'll find opportunities to get where they move to the right side of the key number for you and you can really take advantage. So I think it's something that, you know, for novice betters, as you continue to come in in the space of your transitioning, your state just opens up legally and you can suddenly bet. Like I think team totals are a nice way to get in on sides and totals. I mean, do you think that ever changes? Like, it seems like they're, that's like a bad process. Like, they're just like, they they only move it with the total. So, like, sometimes you'll see like a 27 and a half team total for the Seahawks early in the season, but like, you know, it drops like 26 and a half, which is yeah. below 27. You know, and it's like, uh, I mean, just because the total dropped for a point like randomly, and then all of a sudden it'll shoot back up and you'll get it at least like 30 by the by week's close. So, I don't know. Like, DraftKings in particular moves like succinctly with spread yeah. total. But at times you can find FanDuel, like if you do the math, the math doesn't add up. Like they'll, yeah. keep, they'll keep a team total a little higher. Um, but DraftKings seems to be pretty aggressive. I found that at times with Rivers as well. So like, 
Yeah. I mean, pretty clueless from a bookmaking perspective as uh, I would detest. <laughs> You're biased. Yeah, yeah. I know. Fuck okay. them. But you know, it's all right. <laughs> all right. Next we have Atlanta on the road against the chiefs. Uh, very healthy 11 point spread here. At Kansas city side total at around 54. Um, Last week we mentioned how every time the Colts and Texans play, someone goes on to Wikipedia and changes the Texans owner to T.Y. Hilton, which is great. Like it's just quality, quality content. I love it. Um, I think we can probably start to do that now with Tom Brady and the Falcons. He uh, seems to have their number in a big way. Just another awful, awful Falcons loss last week, you know, up 17 zip. I think they were up like 24 to seven at one point. And to lose that game is just uh it's just gross. Um, now they're really just playing on the stretch, traveling to Kansas City, likely without Julio again this week. The Chiefs took care of business um, last week against the Saints, cashing multiple large plays for the band syndicate along the way. Um, strong showing for the Chiefs defense would be great to see here as we get into the playoffs. Like They've really been kind of poor of late. Uh, you know, And I know that a lot of people are, are down on the Chiefs from a, a bookmaking standpoint, like depends on what you got the number out last week. Like we did well because we just kept hitting two and a half every time we got it. Um, Cause it really was just kind of you know, oscillating between three and two and a half, you know, different times in the week. But like people are backing Atlanta here for a little bit, like 50, um, sorry, 54% of the money on the Falcons. Like the Chiefs have not covered in five of the last six games, depending on the number that you got the Saints on. So uh, what are your thoughts here? Well, I mean, wow. I, that, well, I I think, I mean, you mentioned it, like 30th in rolling EPA the past seven weeks, 28th per dropback, 26th against the rush. Uh, mm-hmm. It might be vice versa. But either way, like I think that this, I mean, 11 is a lot of points. Uh, it is. And I think that um, for a team that's as highly regarded, it seems like, by the public as the Chiefs, um, you know, bookmakers keep, you know, putting lines out that, you know, you'd think are too low, but um, – like sharp betters, I think are taking the other teams just because you know the Falcons or the the Chiefs are a little bit overrated defensively, as we kind of just laid out uh, in this spot particularly. I think if you can catch like an Atlanta team total at like twenty one, um, I mean I think that that's that's viable, um, like over twenty one. Um, even if they're behind, you know I think that they can definitely get there. Um, otherwise, I would say you know Ridley props again, like he just continues to crush without Julio. Um, and that's, you know, those are like pretty much easy money and maybe, so, you know, no Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the other side of the ball, Le'Veon Bell props. I mean, I know that, um, Atlanta has been a little bit stingy against the run, but like maybe some reception props, um, against Atlanta. I think that that could be a good play depending on what the numbers come out at, but I don't know. I'm not definitely not, I'm not playing KC here, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I add Arrowhead though, you know, like with. I know the Arrowhead unders were a big thing for a while, but I think a lot of that had to do with like, you know, legit home field advantage. So, yeah, I took KC at ten, and just because I thought it would probably be the best of the number, um, it's just really hard. It's just really hard to back the Falcons. Like, um, I'm with you with the Ridley thing, but we just we talked. We've had lots of opportunities to talk about Julio Jones not being in this lineup and how there's just a different ceiling here without them and. You know, this is very much a team that feels like it's just uh, defensively they've been good, but like the offense is stalling. Now they're even changing the running back position. Looks like it's Edo Smith's gig, and Gurley's going to be mixing in a little bit. So maybe some Edo receptions. Like he's been worked in the passing game the last couple of weeks, and, you know, probably going to be like two and a half, I'm guessing. Like I can't imagine it being a big number. 
if he's going to yeah. be in on passing downs because Gurley's going to be on the bench, like, I don't know, that's not super exciting, but uh, that could be something that, you know, depending on the right number, could be of interest. Again, just having to check down, bad game script, those types of things. Yeah, I'm with you on the Ridley thing, though. That's definitely the the way to go for this one. But uh, yeah, Chiefs minus 10 for me. I don't, I'm not going to, I wouldn't chase it any higher uh, for the, some of the reasons we said. But uh, yeah, you get just a dome team, you know, playing outdoors in December. I uh, just, I feel like uh, it's kind of a, a bad place to go. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I get that. All right, next, uh, the Browns on the road in New York, back-to-back weeks, this time against the Jets. Cleveland, nine-and-a-half-point favorites, 47 is the total. Again, these uh, it's Wednesday. You know We're a little early in the week, so these lines will move depending on when you're listening. Continue to shop whenever you get a chance. Try to find the best number that you possibly can. Um, we talked a little. I don't really have a time for all my Jets' thoughts here, but again, like – just kind of a massive, crazy, crazy, crazy week. I uh, feel bad for, you know, Elliot, Chris, and other, um, you know, Jets fans that are in our lives that are really still kind of devastated by the whole entire thing. Um, and I needed the Rams money line last week. I just needed a win. And then we were hammering. I know I was, um, you know, I know some others were hitting it live thinking there's no chance that, uh, you know, the Rams don't turn this around and still pull it out and, uh, they did not. In fact, they did not pull it out. Pretty amazing loss. But uh, yeah, um, two weeks in a row, like I said, for Baker and company at MedLife. Um, I was shocked. Baker leads all quarterbacks in EPA per drop back over the last seven weeks. Like without Odell, like he, they've been balling. And now Quentin Williams is on IR. Like the Jets really have nothing going here. Um, this should not still be where it is at nine and a half. I think we both, um, I got on it early. Um, I think the rest of the bands got on it today. Um, Brown's in a big way here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with that. You know, Brown's at nine and a half. I mean, if, if everything moves to 10 and you got nothing else, Brown's Brown's minus 10. Um, you know, I would try and grab it before that. Um, but like, I mean, like you said, Cleveland number one in EPA per drop back last seven weeks, jets are 31st. Um, like, you know, this is just, I, I was pretty simple, like fade the recency bias of them, you know, going out and beating a team uh, that's much better than them in all facets. Um, and then just, you know, back the Browns here. I, I think it's, I think it's pretty simple uh, for me at least. And I know the Browns even hasn't been great and that, you know, I mean, was that Sam Darnold's best performance of his career? Like, I don't even know. Like, yeah, there has to have been better, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely one of Jerry Goff's most memorable performances. Yeah. But I also think that works in the Browns' favor here too. Strangely, like if you're Kevin Stefanski, you it's a very easy job as a coach to be like, look, look what happened last week against these guys. Like, they, yeah, they have one win, and yeah, like on paper we should go out and win this game. But look at what look what happens when you sleep on them. Like they are this is a professional football team, and they just beat the Rams. So like that is more incentive for Cleveland to not really get caught sleeping on this one. So. Again, narrative based, but I feel like at times there are ways to try to work that in. And I think that that applies here. Like, you can't sleep on the Jets. Look what happened. They just won. So, for sure. I mean, that is an interesting point. I mean, people forget that, like, these guys are actually like real human beings and like have like motivation plays a factor. For sure. Um, I mean, no, yeah. Like, we, we try and quantify everything, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, realistically, the Rams are like, oh, we're 17 point favorites. You know, these guys fucking suck. You know, like, let's just go out and run them. And they just got destroyed. So, yeah. Uh, 
I mean, that's it, it's one of the reasons why in the NFL it's so hard to you know be super good all the time. It's so hard to be super bad all the time because some people will just sleep on you. So yep. I mean, they're all professional football players, right? So they're in the league. They can play. And uh, it doesn't mean they're good. It doesn't mean they have a lot of good players. But, again, if you just if you go out and you're just going through the motions, you're going to get punched in the mouth, and, and they did. Um, they couldn't – again, all the things that had happened in that game to get to the point where they were in the fourth quarter and they couldn't stop Frank Gore from getting multiple first downs to seal that game was wild. And that Rams defense has been so good for the last two months, you know, both shutting down run running games and passing games. It was just, it was crazy. So yeah. Um, Cleveland will not get caught sleeping here again. They are, they're going to see what just happened with the jets and they are very motivated. They really have a shot to win this division. If they win here and you get, you know, Pittsburgh has a tough one at home. Um, you know, there are really good opportunities to not only solidify a playoff berth, but to actually win outright in the division and get a better playoff seed. So, and maybe host a playoff game. So yeah, they're, they'll be ready to go. I mean, would you consider points betting this? Like I'm, I'm looking at it right now. So the points bet with the juice is 10 and a half for the Browns, but I, I mean, okay. So, I mean, right. Obviously they could lose, you know, by, or they could like, you know, only win by seven, I think is, you know, probably towards like the, you know, bottom range of their outcomes in this spot. Um, but like, which is only a three X loss, but I mean, I think they could win by 30. Um, That's and, a really good call. And really so, call. I, I mean, like, right, you could probably see them, what, winning by like, you know, like 35 to 7 or something like that, or 35-10, which puts like a 25, you know, 15x win on top of your 10 uh, point points bet. So, yeah, I don't know, some food for thought. I'll, I'll probably have a little bit of action on it. You will. <laughs> points betting is one of my favorite things. I know that, you know, yeah. points with, uh, you know, Anthony Amico, a friend of the show, had a, a really ridiculous scenario with the Lynn Bowden uh props that was like misgraded because they called it did you see that it was like the reception props or whatever but you know largely i mean points bet you know is a very interesting uh platform where you know if you capitalize on some bad lines i think you can you can make some good money yeah and uh you know no rodell front of the show was also big into points betting and i think he's you know he similar to you thinking about it in, in interesting ways where you're trying to both maintain the ceiling but also minimize the risk. Like, you know, I think he's done a few like Noah Fant points bets where like where someone like that is his number is really low. Like his he's not going to be um, – his prop number is not high. He's in the mid-40s. So like the range for him to really disappoint is much lower than someone that has like a, a prop like a DK Metcalf or an A.J. Like, Brown where they're up there in the, you know, in the 80s or 90s and if they have one of their days where they get 40 yards – well, you're really, really leveraged where if, you know, a bad game for fans, maybe he gets three for 20, you know, so you're still, you're still out there a little bit, but again, he also has a hundred yards in his range of outcomes because he's kind of a big play type of tight end. So I think the way you outline it here with Cleveland makes a lot of sense too. We both pretty much agree that they're going to win and we'll probably win by at least maybe say six to seven comfortably. Um, we both feel pretty confident in nine and a half. So like you're really minimizing the risk and, getting nothing but massive upside. So it's a good, really yeah. good call. I appreciate it. I think, I think that I'm going to write an article on just like unilateral upside in points betting and just like the theory behind that, because like, I mean, you laid it out really well, like, you know, Jalen Guyton props last, last weekend too, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's out Jalen Guyton's props at 27 and, you know, and like all like that, that's too low, just in general prop. And like, he ended up with 91, you know what I mean? And he dropped like three, two or three like balls that he could have housed too. Like you could have ended up with 150, 160, like, very easily. Um, yeah. 
totally different. So, yeah. Good call. I, I, they're tough, man. Like you, if you're not familiar, you know, you, there's a lot that you got to hold a good amount. You got to hold, you know, to your risk. So it's, uh, it's not for everyone, but, um, if you're sharp and experienced like Connor, definitely want to slide into the DMs and, and get some questions answered. Cause he's, he knows what he's doing and has had some good success with it too. So that helps. All right. Next Cincinnati on the road against Houston, Houston, eight point favorites, um, against another football team, which is wild. 46 is the total. Uh, kind of lets you know what's going on with Cincy, although obviously a big win last week. Basically coming off of their Super Bowl, um, your primetime spot against a contentious rival. Uh, in Pittsburgh, easy letdown spot for them. You know, they're they're celebrating. They're drunk off their win here. Houston continues to be competitive. As we talked about earlier, now losing twice to Indy on the last play of the game, basically. Last second fumble at the goal line. This is the one, man, I ran – so pure with that fumble. Um, Colts are up seven with Houston driving. Um, I needed one more Kiki Cutie catch for him to hit his prop at five receptions. On the final play, he makes the catch, cashes the prop for me. But before getting into the end zone, he gets the ball punched out by Darius Leonard and the Colts recovered. Uh, it preserved my Indy minus six ticket that I had. Uh, <laughs> just so good. Just double dash. That uh, just you know, at that point, you're like, Man, this I just need to end the day, like things are going really well for me. So, um, you know, hit both there. Mark, and not really sure what to do with this one right now. Action is is fairly split, but uh, yeah, Houston again, still pretty feisty, and uh, you know, they have the best player on the field here with Deshaun Watson. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably lean towards Houston. I think that if you know, if the Bengals didn't just go out and upset the Steelers, this would probably be like 10. Uh, I mean, Houston's offense is still like legit good, uh, even without, um, you know, some of their key receiving options. Um, but just in general, I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, Ryan Finley and, and the Bengals just ran really pure. Like uh, Finley's rushing was really interesting. Um, like I thought he was, he, you know, had a little bit extra there, but I don't really think that it's something that can move the ball consistently. Consistently, uh, I, I mean, it seems pretty clear that they're going to rely like heavily on the run. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that that's going to be fully factored into the markets. Like geos rushing props were really low last week. And I mean, I didn't get on them because I wasn't sure how they were going to play it, but it looks like two weeks ago, you know, when he barely played, it was because he fumbled, you know, on the first drive and then he was just benched. Um, but that was like, you know, not the case at all last week. And I think that going forward, like he's pretty much going to be the guy again. Um, and against the Houston run D that's not good. Um, I think that, you know, he's certainly in play for maybe an all purpose yardage prop, something like that. Um, uh, or maybe even just carries, you know, maybe just because you don't know how, you know, maybe you don't want to trust a Ryan Finley-led offense. Um, so I don't know. I think probably with Celine Houston, I think that they're like significantly a better team. Uh, and even though that they've had their downfalls too, I think I think they're the side for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, minimally at Houston, teaser leg or, you know, Houston money line, I feel pretty confident in. They just, uh, yeah, like you said, almost beat the Colts twice. And we are looking at both of those teams very differently and uh, if those go different. So Brandon Cooks returned last week, led the team in basically all things receiving, though QT and, and Hanson found the end zone. But, you know, Hanson looked good. He stepped in and, and been pretty useful at least. Uh, and, uh, you know, his props continue to be pretty low. But, yeah, the Geo thing is interesting. Like he went from 12 to 14 carries and then like full-on bell cow roll. And as you mentioned, a pretty good spot. So um, not a lot that's uh, exciting here as far as, you know, laying a, a side or a total, but uh, you know, Houston money line is is something that'll probably be tossed into some other stuff for me to, to sweeten the pot. 
right, next, Denver on the road against the Chargers. Chargers, three-and-a-half-point favorites. 49 is the total mostly now. Uh, 48, 48-and-a-half been hanging out there for most of the week. This is another spot where two teams have nothing to play for. Uh, there was a lot of scoring back when they met the first time. Denver winning 31-30 to 30 back in week eight. Uh, even though this is one of those classic second time in the division spots, I think we see we both see a path here to a high-scoring game. Um, the S in bands is feeling really solid about this one. Uh, it's difficult to fade that uh, you know, conviction. I nearly had a heart attack last week watching the Chargers game. Um, and I know we were sweating out a few of those things together, and it's like I swore off betting on Anthony Lynn games moving forward. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I can get behind this total. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I actually think that I bet on the Chargers like every week um, in some aspect, like pretty much. And like I've lost like half my hair. Like, you know, like literally at this point, I'm just running on a few strands and uh, I'm not very old. So this is like becoming an issue. I, I All think of Lynn's fault. Yeah, I think I got to stop. Uh, yeah, exactly. It is Anthony, Anthony Lynn. When I get hair transplants, I'm going to send Anthony Lynn the fucking bill and just expect him to pay for it. Um, but I mean, in this in this spot, I, I like again, like I, I can't stop because. Like Denver's D, 28th in EPA over the past seven weeks. Chargers offense has obviously been, you know, I mean, lights out for the most part. Um, and I, I think the biggest issue here for me with the only concern that I have is that can Denver's offense hold up their side of the bargain, even against like a bad Chargers defense that's 23rd in EPA over the past seven weeks? That I think that's the question. And the only question I have about betting this over, I still like it. And I still think that the Chargers can get 30 and get there almost themselves. But I don't know. How do you feel about that part? Well, that's a good point. But we've seen this with the with the Broncos. Like they have these weeks where they just they get it done. Like you have these four touchdown games from Drew Locke. And they we also have the Melvin Gordon revenge game. This is being played in like LA and the fast turf. Like the weather's gonna be good if any concerns like that. So like it sets up environment wise where like scoring makes sense. Like this was thirty one to thirty. And this was like the Tremaine Pope game. And now like they have, you know, they have Eckler back. I'd really like to know that the Keenan was going to be a full go. He was limited last week. We capitalized on that, shorting his, his prop in a big way. And that worked out well, but like, I don't know. I mean, they got there last week points wise without him, but I just feel like that would feel a lot better with all the questions that Denver has in the secondary with, you know, Boye being out and, Dawson, like all the guys that they've had fill in, have just been are hurt and out. So I can't really see them stopping or slowing down Justin Herbert. I would love to know that Keenan Allen is, you know, close to a full go here. But uh, yeah, we never know what Drew Lock. Like there are there are enough weapons there to get it done. So having trepidation around Drew Lock is probably the right way to be. But uh, you know, he only needs to get to twenty three here to really do his part. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Twenty three is is pretty doable against a, a Chargers D that. Um, you know, I don't think Bosa plays. Um, right. You know. I mean, yeah. Sides though, no interest. I can't. No, you're not. You're not on the Chargers here either. I mean, I, I think it's totally the right side. I just, I can't in good faith do it. It's not like I can't do it. He's so bad at in-game management. He costs his team points all the time. It is maddening. The lot, like the last two minute stuff, the timeouts. Um, you know, what we were trying to chase the first half under or the first half over last week. Yeah, yeah. And like they 
I would they call like a they had like a corner fade on third down and then kicked the field goal. It's like they threw a fade to like an uncatchable ball yeah, to a limited yeah. Keenan Allen. You throw it to the guy who's like really hurt. Like I don't know. They just they're not well coached, and that's a real problem when when I want to put money on them. Don't get me rolling on this, otherwise we'll be here for a lot longer. Yeah, I, I gotta, we, we backdoored that because of the Raiders' ineptitude. Yeah, this is like an eighteen-yard punt or whatever it was. Yeah, like we shouldn't have won that first half over. So low. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, over, yes, I can get. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't. Uh, you can give me on Justin Herbert props. I think he probably tears them apart, especially if Keenan is uh, even close to full go. So. Our right, next one will be interesting. Carolina's on the road against Washington. Washington is two down to one and a half in some spots, even 44, 44 and a half is the total. We've got the Ron Rivera bowl here. Um, Panthers come to town to face their former head coach. We don't know what's going on with the Washington quarterback situation. We do know that Dwayne Haskins loves strippers and hates masks. Um, we've all been there. Just like, you know, James Harden style. Um, he was fined $40,000 for it. Uh, for um, violating concussion protocol. This is a big one for Washington, though. A win here locks up the NFC East. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves, a.k.a. Teddy Covers, is going to look to get things done here on the road for the second straight week, Uh, likely again without Christian McCaffrey, as it's been for, again, most of the season, Uh, and probably the right call. I mean, adding miles to your franchise running back, knowing how little, you know, tread on the tires for running backs for their career are, like, you know, pounding him away in a meaningless December game is, is probably a bad move in the long run anyway. So um, I don't know. I'd be interested to see if this continues to trend Carolina's way. And I think maybe there's just some questions and concerns around the quarterback situation, and rightfully so in Washington. But what are your leans here? Um, in terms of leans, uh, I mean, I probably lean towards Washington, but like the quarterback situation, kind of like you said, is a little bit troubling. Uh, but really, like I think the biggest gap here, I mean, last seven weeks, Washington, number four in EPA per play, Carolina 27th um, on the defensive side. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's a pretty big edge. Like, that is massive. Uh, but obviously the biggest question is that, you know, can Washington's offense be competent enough to take advantage of that? Um, so, I don't know. I would almost lean towards the under a little bit. But, again, you know, the total is already – it's already at 44, 44 and a half. Like, it's kind of – it's pretty low as is. Um, so, I do think that is a little bit tougher to handicap, but I'm thinking it's more of like a 2017 game rather than like a 24, 21 game. Um, but I think it is worth noting, you know, like it would be pretty disingenuous of Dwayne Haskins not to turn in his $40,000 all in once. Like he has to, <laughs> I mean, he has to, right? Like that's just like on brand. If you're going to do it, like commit to the fucking bit Haskins. Yeah. No, that's a really good call. Just go into <laughs> Daniel, I don't know if it's really fresh with all the stuff going on with Daniel Snyder, if he wants to oh, get in God, there. Better, you know, like Snyder will fucking turn around and just go to the strip club himself, man. That's how he knew he was there. You know, he saw him as he was walking out. Uh, you know, he's a little bit older, so, he, you know, a little late for him. But uh, Haskins was walking in the same time. So, <laughs> allegedly, I don't know. I can't uh, can't uh, elaborate yeah, we, that. But. Yeah, we, can't, we can't officially, you know, really release our sources there, you know, to tell people, but. So it's safe to say you're more confident in Washington with Alex Smith. Probably. I don't know. At least, at least I don't think they're going to turn the ball over uh, right. as much, which, you know, probably leads them to winning by a field goal. I think that you said like, not only is Washington, you know, they continue to be a problem up front, you know, defensively, they're just, they're really strong. They got a ton of talent and like Teddy does that to pump 
you know, just hold it too long. Teddy two pumps. Like he's just always, he's not afraid to take a sack and you know, the overall sack numbers are worse than maybe some of the adjusted stuff that we, we have on them. But like, I don't know. I think Washington's front ends up being a problem here. I would love to feel good about this. I don't like, I was surprised and look ahead that this was two being that like Washington is on the cusp of the playoffs and Carolina's like, you know, four and 10, but um, you know, they're all, they're probably actually pretty close teams statistically, all things being considered, but um, yeah, Washington feels like the right side, but I, I don't know. Um, questions with the, with the Haskins for sure. But Carolina's D is just, is rough. I mean, not only that, like it's, it's Antonio Gibson too. I would feel better about Washington if I knew that they had Gibson versus kind of the stuff they're running out there with McKissick and, and Peyton Barber. So, um, you know, Gibson returned to practice. I don't know if he's going to be back for sure, but kind of want those questions answered. I think there'll be a little bit of buying window if you want to get on to Washington, especially as it's moving Carolina's way right now, where you can still get a Washington under three if we do have Gibson and Smith in the lineup. And I think that's probably where I'll lean if we do get that. Yeah, agreed. All right, next Philly on the road against Dallas. Philly, two-point favorites. Pretty hefty total here, 49 and a half. Um, I don't know. Regardless of whether we were right or wrong about Jalen Hurts, and I, I do think it's probably too soon to say. It's just been two games. I think it was clearly the right move for Philadelphia. Uh, I just think the way the teams responded is just speaks volumes. And I also can't stand the Carson Wentz stuff either. Like it is absolutely embarrassing to act like you are entitled to your job or your position in the lineup. Um, and then to like demand and complain that if you are not the guy next year that you want out is a really bad look. And it's coming from enough sources that makes it feel like it probably is true. Like it's just awful. Like there are plenty of dudes that have lost their job over time. Like you just don't, you got to go on and earn it. And clearly the vibe of the team was completely different in that saints game when Hertz was back there. And there's probably something to be said about how that is in the locker room, just with the overall vibe and play that he had. So um, get your stuff together. Be a professional. He'll probably do really well next year in Indy when he's uh, hooked up with uh, with Frank Reich because I feel like that's that makes it too much sense uh, to not happen with there's, they really don't have a quarterback situation next year and, and Wentz and, and Frank Wright worked. So, um, yeah, that's just gross. I don't know. Um, big win for Dallas last week. It took advantage of obvious bad quarterback play with Nick Mullins. And then they also were sharp and leveraged their best running back instead of Zeke Elliott, who is basically still owed a small fortune over the next few seasons. Um, Dallas is always the public team. Not this week. Philly is getting hammered. Um, it's gone from, uh, one point dogs through the zero over to two on Philly side. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's a little scary. I, I would probably also lean towards Philly here. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, we were definitely not the biggest fans of Jalen hurts, but what he's shown us so far is that, you know, maybe he's not getting done through the air all the time, but he's certainly capable of getting it done with his legs, which we kind of knew. I just didn't realize how effective he would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is, you know, like I kind of thought that his athleticism might've been a little overrated in, in addition to his throwing being very overrated. I think his throwing has not been that good, but you know, his, his rushing is more than made up for any, you know, lack of throwing ability. I think that, you know, the Phillies team total here is a little bit interesting. Um, I mean, Phillies scored 24 and 26 points against New Orleans and Arizona. New Orleans, as we've talked about, you know, pretty much a lead defense. You know, they're, you know, like top three in most metrics. Um, and then uh, Arizona is also like, you know, around top 10, top 15 in most metrics. Now Dallas 
matching with Dallas, 24th in DVOA, middle of the road in EPA last seven weeks. So, I mean, they're definitely a downgrade there. Um, so I don't really know in terms of like, if I love Philly on the side, I think the team total of 25 and a half under 26 would be interesting for me. Um, but yeah, I, I think that in general, this game is a little bit tough to handicap here because there's a, there's a quite a few moving pieces. The Carson Wentz stuff is interesting. I feel like I've come like full circle on him because, you know, originally when I, I didn't like him as a prospect and then I was like, okay, you know, he can actually play with Frank Reich, you know, probably held onto my priors of that a little bit too long uh, in some instances. And then, you know, um, now we're at the point where I'm back to hating him because he's just a punk and, you know, like a weird Jesus freak who, uh, you know, like is just not a good dude. Uh, so, I mean, maybe, maybe he'll do all right in Philly or in Indy, like you said. And I, I think that, you know, uh, Frank Reich has that, you know, the serum, you know, he, he's got w- what it takes to, to make uh, the offenses go. And I mean, we saw it with Foles, who's basically had, you know, his only good year outside of the one Chip Kelly year uh, in his career um, mm-hmm. with as well, you know, during that Super Bowl run, it was uh, Wentz's MVP season in Philly with Reich there, or like, you know, could have been MVP season. I mean, through the first, whatever, 13 weeks, like he was, you know, neck and neck. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that would fit him really well and that it's definitely possible for him to bounce back. But, yeah, I mean, what a loser. It'll be like minus 200 or something like that. I mean, it comes out as like where he goes or, you know, if there's there, even if it pops out because he's not a free agent per se, but like they have to be the massive favorite to land to land him. And, uh, you know, if anyone's willing to take that contract, I think obviously Philly needs to jump on it and, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like it makes sense to kind of move forward with, with, uh, with Hertz, and we know like it just it re it changes the franchise if they can get out from under that contract, and then knowing that you have a second round pick rookie, you know, quarterback rookie deal, like it just frees up so much other money. So, yeah, I don't have a lot of uh, leans or feels for this one. It's hard to get in on any, you know, Philly props. You know, seeing pretty good volume for. Both tight ends the last couple of weeks, you're seeing a little bit more Zach Ertz. You know, Goddard's still been around. The other receivers just kind of hit or miss. Like, you know, and then the Dallas side, like, sure, the good spot for the receivers, I guess, but like, still just have concerns and question marks with that whole offense. And then it looks like Zeke's back. So the Tony Pollard thing is probably gone. Like, he's probably mixed in, but like, you can't take any props on either of these guys. So feels like mostly just a, a stay away. Our next Rams. On the road against the Seahawks. Seahawks are one and a half point favorites here at home. 47 is the total. We've railed on the Rams already in other spots, but a pretty terrible loss for them. Good news here, though, they've had Seattle's number under Sean McVay. Rams have won five of the last six uh, against them. That one they didn't win, they covered, and uh, basically a one point loss. We were all over the Seahawks team total, as I'm sure you remember the last time these teams met here, and Russ just played awful. Um, he just took a bunch of sacks and they just lived in the backfields that day. Seattle can win the NFC West with a win here. Um, the Rams win would give them a leg up in the division race. They would have the tiebreaker over Seattle. So that would be, this is a big one. Um, I'm not surprised that the early lean is on Seattle considering obviously the recency bias on the Rams. Uh, and I like LA here. I think they uh, can get back on track and I kind of want to take advantage of some of the recency bias and, I mean, there's just some matchup stuff here that they have a feel for, and, and these games are always close and have gone the Rams' way. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really have too much to take on the side. I, I get that, you know, the Rams make sense here. Um, 
I think that I my lean here would probably be on the under uh, under of like forty seven. Like last last seven weeks, uh, Seattle's offense six just sixteenth in EPA. The Rams D is first uh, on the other side of the ball. Rams offense just twenty seventh in EPA. Seahawks defense thirteenth. So I think that both of those are like pretty significantly overmatched um, in in those metrics. And uh, I think we've kind of seen it there. This is also you know the rematch of a divisional game. Uh, and uh, the previous two matches between these two teams finished with just 39 and 40 points. Um, so I don't know. I think that this spells for just kind of a, a bad day for both sides with, you know, maybe even the Seahawks could continue to try and establish the run a little bit more than they were early in the season, and the Rams probably riding the run a little bit more after Goff's disastrous performance last week. So, um, you know, slower pace game, second matchup. The, I mean, the metrics add up. I think that this could be a pretty easy under game. Okay. Yeah, that's a good sell. I mean, we were definitely, like I said, on the wrong side of that one the last time too. So be interested to see what the Rams do at running back. Uh, no Cam Akers this week. So it looks like um, Terrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown are going to split duties. I think people are going to be really interested in Henderson. What's interesting though is in last week's game when Akers went down, it was mostly Malcolm Brown and then when Cam Akers came back in the second half, it was Brown that worked in to help him a little bit. Henderson didn't play at all. So um, I don't know. I I feel like you're going to see some Daryl Henderson talk this week, You know, maybe in the prop market, definitely in DFS, and I think I, I, I get it. But uh, I don't know. I think the usage is a little bit, a little bit more – interesting that I think we are first led to believe. So unless we are hearing something specifically from McVeigh, that is, Hey, Henderson's going to kind of be, you know, get the first shot on first and second down. Malcolm Brown continues to be involved in passing situations. So I think just proceed with caution there before going all in on Henderson, who might feel like a, a pretty obvious fill in. I think it's going to probably be more split than, than you think. And if not, maybe leans to Malcolm Brown side. So uh, maybe Brown props might come in, a little bit lower and maybe there's some value there. We'll, we'll take a look as that market kind of emerges on, uh, on Friday and Saturday. All right. Sunday night's going to be awesome. Tennessee is in green Bay, green Bay is favored by three and a half total around 56 in most spots still. Uh, yeah. Great way to end the week. Prime time on Sunday night, two of the leagues premier offenses on display, basically number one and two in EPA over the last seven weeks. Um, both teams can move the ball through the air and on the ground. Neither defenses, particularly stouts, which is obviously why we have a total where we do into the mid-50s. So far, early action taking the points with Tennessee, uh, who has not scored fewer than 30 since their Week 10 matchup against the Colts. Um, I believe in front of the show, John Daigle said, like, I think 31, three straight weeks or over 31. So that's, that's a lot of points. This team is, uh, even that game against the Browns, when they got their teeth kicked in, they still found a way to, to get to 30. Um, and then the other narrative that I think is, is being, uh, you know, driven home. And I think it makes sense. We have Aaron Rodgers in a showcase spot. He clearly wants the MVP, is talking about it in interviews. Uh, we get him in a, in a showcase game for the world to see on Sunday Night Football. So I expect uh, some Rodgers touchdowns here in a big way. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, a lot of the same. Uh, I would add, I, I mean, neither team also gets pressure. Tennessee, 31st in pressure rate. Green Bay, third. Um, and... Like, I mean, when Tennessee has the ball too, like the Green Bay Rundy has been better than they were last year, but still 23rd rushing success rate allowed, 24th in adjusted line yards, 
So it's definitely not like they're like a good unit in that aspect. You know, they're they're bot- kind of bottom tier. Um, so, I mean, I think there's going to be a back and forth game. Like I, I think the over is in play even at 56. Uh, I think both team totals are in play. Um, I like, I do like that the Tennessee team total a little bit more, like you said, you know, Tennessee's just been routinely putting up that kind of points. Um, but even, I mean, getting Green Bay's team total under 30, I think is uh, also a good look too. So, I mean, that leads me to like, I do think that legitimately like the over and the team totals are all in play, just depending on your liking or your specific look there. And especially in the point total for Tennessee, you, know, you said each of the past five games they've scored 30 or more points. They've also scored that in nine to 14 games this season. So it's not like it's just like a small sample thing. I mean, like nearly 75% of the time they've been scoring yeah. like 30 or more. Yeah, so. no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. Um, we have to see what's up with Jamal Williams. He left with a quad injury. I don't know how serious it is, but we saw Hopefully obviously. Really what's that? Hopefully, really serious. Right? Yeah, because well, I would love to see Aaron Jones in the spot getting you know ninety percent of the snaps and just absolutely going crazy. Uh, yeah, would love that. And then I think it's interesting too. Like Jair Alexander is, I think, one of the best corners in the league. He has not been shadowing of late. He's really kind of been locked on the right side, I believe. So it's really going to be hard to pinpoint, you know, really how it affects the Tennessee receivers, but like one of them is likely to go off and um, you know, they may be getting a little bit of each of them in the prop market might make sense because it feels like a really good spot for, for them, obviously being underdogs. And then, you know, um, they've been electric. I mean, Tannehill is, I think it's kind of an underrated story. I mean, basically at this time a year ago, I mean, he had been starting for a few weeks, but like even in the off season, we weren't sure what to make of, of Tannehill. And he's been just really good, like not great, but like better than average and is really dynamic on the ground and is making plays to the air. And they have really good weapons. They have a great running game, you know, a solid offensive line, but like, you know, I was obviously left for dead and was brought in to be Mariota's backup and, and really, has taken that and is has been the man. So good for him. They're again a legitimate playoff team and can make some noise if they you know they get hot on the right day. They are also one of those teams that can be Jekyll and Hyde. And like we said, that Browns game they just no showed, but they can also just roll teams at times because their offense is so good. So yeah, I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. I don't have any necessarily strong leans as far as sides or totals yet, but I mean it's Sunday night. There's no chance that, uh, you know, come Sunday night, we won't have any action on this one. <laughs> yeah. Points bet all the Aaron Jones props if Jamal. Oh, man. Yeah. Stand there now. Yeah. Jamal Williams, just, you know, you guys are, are really best friends in real life. Do him a favor, take the week off and let him uh, get paid. So, yeah. Exactly. All right. Monday Night Football, Buffalo in New England. Buffalo, uh, seven point favorites, 46 is the total. Um, yeah, I mean, congratulations to the Bills. Last week, they um, won in Denver, clinched their first AFC East crown in 25 years. That is basically the entire life of my co-host. Um, that's impressive. So the Patriots fan in me wants to be super snarky because I don't remember the last time we got like excited and celebrated an AFC East championship. But um, good for the Bills because that is a long-suffering fan base. They deserve it. And really, truly, it's been great because it's not like they snuck in with like kind of a boring 9-7 and seven squad. Like They're fun. They're, it's a fun offense. Uh, Josh Allen is 
I think outperformed even the most, you know, passionate Josh Allen supporters thoughts, you know, being really kind of how he's developed as, as a passer. I mean, they're first in, in passing success rate on the season. Like success rate, there's a little bit of accuracy tied to success rate statistically. So like, you know, Stefan Diggs has been a massive, massive addition and they're good. I think everyone kind of feels like there's a consensus out there that they might have the best shot in knocking off the Chiefs. You know, they played a few weeks ago, I guess, you know, early in the season. That was, a you know, one of those weather games. And I think on Halloween even, like, it was just kind of a gross game. So, yeah, I mean, I think they steamroll the Patriots here who are a mess and really hard to watch. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think the same thing too. I mean, I also, like, you know, we've talked about this, like, ton you know like hypothetically a team can hang around with the running game against the bills but you know that just hasn't really happened and we talked about it like i think what once every past five weeks and the bills just keep rolling so Sonny Michelle, um yeah <laughs> i mean maybe i don't know i mean so i, I love sony now forever you know won me a lot of money last week but um this is just isn't the spot um i think that Though we can keep cashing some Stefan Diggs props, maybe. Uh, I don't know if John Brown is back or what the deal is with that. Um, but Diggs is now 11 and 2 on closing line reception props on the season. So it's not opening line, closing line. So that's, I mean, after it gets juiced up and maybe even moves a reception, which it seems like it always does every week. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're catching a five and a half or even a six and a half here, uh, like we did last week and John Brown is out, slam the over. You know, it's pretty much. It's been like clockwork without John Brown, like pretty much averaging like eight, nine catches a game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the Pats are doing. I think they're, I don't even think they've committed to Cam this week. It's uh, it's a mess. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, Damian Harris or if it's going to be Sony. Like they, uh, you know, some of those wins a few weeks ago were just really frustrating as, as a Patriots fan. Just wanted them to get in and, you know, try to get something in the draft that is, uh, a little bit worthwhile knowing that they really just don't have much of anything, especially offensively moving forward. So yeah, I think that the the bills absolutely roll here. I think the bills could be a teaser leg here. Um, and we see Houston makes a lot of sense. Cleveland makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you can get the, you know, the chiefs game, depending on where they're at, you can get that obviously back under six, same thing, depending on your, your thoughts on, uh, on the Ravens. So I think there are some uh, some definitely some viable some bi- viable teaser legs out there this week. My, my only advice would be do not tease the Bears. That is like the worst teaser leg in the history of teasers. Do not tease the Bears. Even if they win, just don't do it. <laughs> Man, it's, it's interesting because I get it. I get your point, but like, I can't wrap my mind around Jacksonville messing this up. What's Jacksonville money line? I'm, pu- I'm putting some some skin in the game here. I'm doing it. I mean, uh, you said the out screen's up. Let me see. Where, where are we at? All right. I'll, I'll pop it on the screen here. We got this, and then um, let's see here. Money line. Okay. Jags. That's uh, a good bet. Plus 295. Oh, I'm taking it. <laughs> I mean, I got I to gotta make up my Christmas money somehow. Yeah. It's true. You just bought that ring, you know. You gotta. That's true. I mean, that is true. But finally, have to pay for it. So, <sighs> all right, my man. I think that wraps us up for this week. So, Connor's big takeaway is stay away from the Bears. Proceed with caution. Yeah.
or bet the Jags money line, whatever you took away from that. <laughs> all right, that wraps us up for week 16. We will be back to do it again. Uh, we're staying with you all the way through playoffs and Super Bowl. We hopefully have a Super Bowl in particular will be fun with all those props to break down and, and get through it. Um, Maybe we'll have like a mega show, bring on multiple guests, you know. Yeah. Uh, we can do. I'm sure we have some some people that will be uh, will be a pretty busy week for the bands, uh, breaking down all the intricate props that are out there in the marketplace. We can bring on some some folks to yeah and sweat those with us. We also need the uh, national anthem specialist uh, Joey Kanish actually on the pod. That is you know that is our go to guy here can help you win some money. I love it. Yeah, I was your big one last year and uh, made your day. So. All right, that does it for week 16. So for Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll be back to do it all.